Last week, in a butthole close, close to my pants, <laughs> a trade dispute between the Resistance and the First Order left audiences puzzled with a crawl that said, Episode 7, The Last Jedi. Look, we're just starting off where we left off last time, like in The Karate Kid Part 2, so just enjoy the movie. Then it cuts to a new character, which is a CGI Gungan minstrel named Lick Lick Banks, who, who just crushes BB-8 right away and goes, Misa got a boner hard hard for going boom bang on the droids that you like see. Schwing, my wife. Then Luke says to Ray, who are you? And Ray goes, I'm Jyn Erso and Donnie Yen's kid. They boned in Rogue One, but nobody saw it. And the fertilized egg went into space and carbonite and landed on Jakku. Then Chewbacca starts eating porgs like chicken nuggets. And in the third act, they blow up an even bigger Death Star called Star Death or Hideout. Then, when everyone is celebrating, Poe Dameron runs in and goes, Princess Leia died. And then they use actual Carrie Fisher autopsy footage and a slowed-down Cantina Band song while not Maz Kanata sings Amazing Grace over it. It's a weird movie, that Last Jedi. Spoiler alert. Hey, just kidding. <laughs> We're recording a couple days before Last Jedi comes out, but I'm pretty sure I nailed it. Yeah, it sounds about right. Look, I'm always excited for a new Star Wars movie. When this theme song kicks in, I get goosebumps. I don't even like Star Wars movies that much when I really think about them. <laughs> yeah. This is nostalgia. It's like one and a half really good ones. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not the only one who gets goosebumps. Musicians all over the planet have, have taken inspiration from the music of Star Wars to make music of their own. We'll be looking at that music today. But I don't want to just call this genre Star Wars music, no. So I dug deep into the Star Wars multiverse and found the perfect name for this genre. So Bothans and Mon Calamari grab some Ewoks and gather around. This is Beyond Yacht Rock. Jizz! Hey, we're the Beyond Yacht Rock Podcast, coming to you uh, live from JD's Garage here in beautiful, where are we? La Crescenta, La California. La Crescenta, California. JD, you want to take it over from here? You did a great job. Thanks. That was very different huh? for everyone. My yeah. name is JD, of course. My name is Hollywood Steve. I'm Dave. Hunter. And uh, we make up new genres every week and count down those songs from 10 to 1. Uh, this week's genre is Star Wars music. It's called Jizz. Uh, for a reason. <laughs> And we like to throw a bone to Yacht Rock songs every week because we invented the genre. So, Steve, what's this song called? Well, guys, his name keeps coming up. We know he's a fine, upstanding session pro and such a good guitarist that Stevie Wonder used him on songs in the key of life. And we know that Maniac is not even close to a Yacht Rock song. And that's why it's finally time to get Michael Sambello somewhere on the boat. And here's the song to do it. This is Layback. Uh, it's the next to last song off his 1983 solo debut, Bossa Nova Hotel, which is pretty doggone synth-heavy for a guy who made his name playing guitar. In fact, a good chunk of that album is too new wavy to qualify as Yacht Rock. He's, a, one, self, though, he's a self-loathing guitarist. Yeah, he, he's really at odds with uh, his own identity. It, Quincy Jones like, Michael Zambello, you should, write a, you should record an album of your own. He's like, oh, I'm not good enough. No. I no, I'm not I can't, I can't just be a guitar no, Michael, player. You're a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> I am a maniac for synthesizers. Oh, sorry, Steve. Go. No, it's good. Uh, so here, I'll, I'll skip ahead actually to this part where Michael uh, doesn't. He 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 has to prove himself. You see, like you just say, 
And so that for that reason, there's not a lot of the usual session personnel on this song or the album. They did somehow, though, manage to land Michael Sembello, and he not only plays guitar, he's got synthesizer, bass synth, bass, marimba, Fender Rhodes, and Lindrum. And then he gets his brother Danny to show up to play about half that stuff plus acoustic piano. So he's really trying to push himself above and beyond what he would normally do on a session to show yeah he's really what he really wants to show so that he can do it all when he's sitting there in a session playing guitar excellently he's looking around at the other session players going i could do that better than abe laboreal yeah, yeah. i can do that better than michael bodiger yeah. jeff Picaro, he's a hack watch me play the drums Whoa. watch me program the drum machine <laughs> wow some strong words from Michael Sambello. Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> self-conscious people judge people. That's yeah. what they do. Yeah, yep, they're very insecure. Uh, other than that, personnel-wise, uh, there's Paulina DaCosta doing some percussion. George Duke shows up to do a synth solo. Jerry Hay and the Garys do some horn work. And uh, the non-drum machine programming, uh, the live drums are by ex-Frank Zappa guy Vinny Kalayuda. I think is how you pronounce his name. No, it's Vinny Kalayuda. Yeah. Now you get it. You know what's up. I Uh, I think we'd be remiss not to discuss the album cover. Oh, well, yeah, we'll definitely get to the album cover. First, let me explain what this song is about, because it leads into the album cover, I think. Um, So this is a, this layback is a Yacht Rock song about a guy who actually gets laid. And you listen to the verses, like, something about this pleasure is forbidden. Like, they're young and they don't know the rules. Is this passion or just a crime? What kind of deliciously illegal goings-on are they partaking of here? So if you click through enough Google results for this song, you'll see that Layback is sometimes given the parenthetical subtitle, Ménage à toi. Guys, I've located the first and maybe only Yacht Rock song about a threesome. And... In true Yacht Rock fashion, he wakes up the next morning feeling jealous and awkward and guilty and filled with bitter recriminations. I think Hunter has a, has another menage a trois Yacht Rock song. No, it's not Yacht Rock. Oh. I, what about me? Yeah, what about no, me? James has... Ingram, King Carms, and, and, and Kenny, Kenny Rogers. Rogers. Yeah. Could be a possibility. We could look we, at it sometime. We talked about it briefly. Yeah, that, that was what I wanted to... That was... Uh, I wanted you to play that for these... These guys might have fucked. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it, and it's also kind of a jokey menage a trois. Yeah, that was a that was a triette. Yeah. With the 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 spoiler alert on that one is that Kim Carnes gets no pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Just it's all Ingram and Rogers. See, I think there's plenty of uh, yacht rock songs about a three way if you uh, if you know where to look for. I'm like, mm-hmm. turn your love around is a very specific request for the lady in the middle of a wobbly age, just to switch it up a bit. J.D., you know what I'm talking about. Mm-mm. Who will be the fool tonight answers the question. Who's going to be the tail end of the human centipede? <laughs> and, of course, nothing you can do about it, which is about a gangbang where the subject doesn't immediately consent, but the spoiler alert, he was into it the entire time. There's plenty more if you know where to look. Yeah. What a fool believes is is a guy like Michael McDonald thinking he'll ever have a threesome in his life. Exactly. There's a whole narrative arc in this one, too. Like, at first, the chorus lay back. He just wants his lovers to lay back and experience pleasure. But by the end, he's telling his, his own intense feelings and jealousy to lay back because some weird dark passion in him has awoken. And it's, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't know what to do with it. So it, the meaning of the chorus changes as the song goes on. There's a subtle but, but perceptible shift 
in the meaning. And it's very deep. Man, Michael Sambello is really firing on all cylinders on yeah. this one. Yeah. Man. So Boy, my he's really question, speaking to all of us. Yeah. So my question is, is this weird dark passion in him at all related to the two buff, oiled-up dudes who are posing on the album cover to make it look like one of them has his hand on the other one's dick? Because that's what the album cover is. Yeah, it's called uh, Bossa Nova, Bossa Nova Hotel, Hotel. And there's a check-in desk. And I think a, a fern, maybe a ficus. And yeah. then these two dudes. We that, all know what ficuses are for, thanks to Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, but what, what kind of Bossa Nova Hotel? Based on the literal definition, it means New Wave or New Trend Hotel. And based on that album cover, this is definitely not a hotel that was in the mainstream in 1983. Steve, I can see why you were drawn to it. Yeah, because we keep talking about Michael Sembello. Exactly. It's weird because the album cover looks like, oh, this is great pop music for gay people. Then mm-hmm. you listen to this. It's just not at and, all. And really. it is. Oh. <laughs> oh. I mean, yeah, what JD said. <laughs> I can't imagine. I think this is great pop music for people, JD. Yeah. I, can't I, be, I can't imagine a, a bunch of, or a male couple a, going to... A going bunch to, of... Going to Rio for a vacation, oiling up and like putting on this album, you know. I, but I can see the in four of us sitting on a boat, putting lotion on each other's back so we don't get sunburned, and then just sitting on the deck all day listening to this while we maybe read a book. But yeah, it, I this, guess it happened. This album's very new wave, and you said that it was the definition. New wave, bossa nova. Literal definition is new wave yeah. new trend. He was tra- he was he was chomping on the new wave bit. Mm-hmm. There was a. I really think that there's a there's a late yacht rock crossover with with new wave. I think it exists. Yeah, yeah, there's there's got to be cross pollination. Are we, uh, we going to be digging into yacht wave soon? I don't, no, I don't think you guys want that. Uh, should we talk about Star Wars? <laughs> it's a perfect no, Star Wars. Let's talk about jizz. Well, let's get into that a little bit here. All right, so. Ah, this song from the Moss Eisley Cantina, as performed by Figrin Anne and the Modal Nodes, one of the best jazz groups in the galaxy. But hold the line, JD. This is another galaxy, so it might not be called jazz. Okay, let's look it up on Wikipedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, Wikipedia. That's make, right. make that very clear. Yeah, Wikipedia. Yeah. Because Wikipedia is sourced. Mm-hmm. Wikipedia is completely made it's up. Fan, <laughs> fan-based. Uh, but not in this case, because... Apparently, in the Star Wars universe, they call this kind of music jizz. And but Wikipedia is a real site that mm-hmm. I went to, and I saw that it existed. And they sourced it. And this it. music is actually called jizz. Yeah. Who, wait, well, who is the source? Are you going to Yeah, I'm going to talk about it. Yeah, we'll get great. into it. Great. So, jizz is such a narrow genre inside the Star Wars world, this spacey jazz sound. I thought we could co-opt it here on Earth, so jizz can just be... All music inspired by Star Wars. So what you're saying is that you've done a pre-existing genre. No, no, no. I've co-opted a name. No, I'm going to help you out. Yeah. I'm going to help you out. I know I didn't do any work on this, Mm -hmm. but I think what you're looking for is today is Jizz Fusion. Sort of, but not really. I don't. (laughs) I don't think because it's Jizz fused with music we're we're from Earth. Yeah. Earth music. <laughs> now, jizz is this kind of jazz music inside of Star Wars. The uh-huh. jizz we're talking about today is, say, say, Ed Shireen writes a love song to Princess Leia. That's our jizz. Okay, that's what we're Ed talking Sheeran? about. Ed Sheeran? Is that... 
Shireen. Whatever you want to call him. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I thought it was Shearhan. Well, listen. He's Shireen to me. Um, so let's, let's move on here to another example of jizz in the Star Wars universe. Oh, this is a jam. Uh, this song is Lapty Neck by the Max Rebo Band. Uh, the term jizz originated in the 1983 Return of the Jedi novelization by James Kahn. Khan referred to a member of the Max Rebo band in Jabba the Hutt's uh, palace as a jizz whaler. Yep. But the name wasn't wasn't used to actually describe that genre until it was featured in the short story We Don't Do Weddings, a band story, in the 1995 book Tales from the Moss Eisley Cantina, which goes into uh, figuring Anne's gambling problem. Yeah. He's... <laughs> Star Wars universe is deep, fellas. And I never knew James Caan was such a fan. <laughs> oh, James Caan? Yeah, James Caan. Jim, Jimmy Caan. Uh, his name? Yeah. yeah Everybody spelled K-H-A-N. Oh. I oh. thought that name sounded familiar. Not Michigan State alum James Caan. Um, I, I had that novelization, the James Caan novelization in elementary school, and I used to I used to read it in between doing worksheets, and I don't recall that phrase being in it because at the time I wouldn't have even known what jizz was to Star Wars that jazz. Term. That's yeah. what jizz is. Yeah. yeah, it's outer space jazz. They and they those authors take a lot of liberties. Yeah, with, it's like they have access. They're canon. They have they have, they, have, they have access to early drafts of the script or something like that. No, they just make shit up. There's a lot of made up shit that nobody yeah. checks. But this is a novelization of Return of the Jedi. I think they would have read through it and gone like, okay, yeah, yeah, like somebody important would have had to have signed off on that. Yeah, at well, some level. I'm sure we yeah, all whoever... remember in the novelization of the movie Big, they go into the scene where Tom Hanks's character is picking out the tuxedo, even though we never see that in the movie. They're gonna take. Take some uh, jumps to keep the uh, the reader interested. Hmm. You don't want to just read the movie. You want to, you know, see something a little new. You, you want to know what they call the jazz. The Wikipedia, I just want to be clear, the Wikipedia is a hilarious source of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because of all the made-up shit that people put in there, and they get really specific on stuff that no one ever intended, and it's somebody who isn't that creative. Um... It's just ridiculous. Yeah, like the, the whole the whole Star Wars extended universe thing. It just seems like a bunch of people who are really trying hard to come up with silly names for people and places and things in the way that George Lucas might have, but not quite nailing it. They do stuff like figuring Dan's gambling problem. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I think a lot of it is a pay attention to me, not only by the other people in the fandom, but hopefully the ultimate goal is to have George Lucas give you a. Like a wink and a nod. Yeah. Like, hey, oh, yes. good, these, good job on that jizz, pal. Yeah, I, 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 yes, I always thought of these musicians as jizz whalers. That's the term I had in my head. Um, so popular instruments... Oh, oh, yeah, hold on. So first, uh, to clarify, we won't be playing any music that's in any of the movies in our countdown today. Uh, incidentally, since movies are considered canon, the music within the Star Wars movies should be called... Dave, you want to take a... Stab at this? Um, jizz sires? Jizz cannon. Jizz cannon. The popular. Jizz sire. Mm-hmm. They sired the jizz. Okay. The popular. Like air of the jizz? Mm, anyway. So the popular <laughs> instruments in the Star Wars jizz world include uh, the band fill, load seed, the jizz box, the clue horn, the peel rod, and the plume sounder, the slither horn, and of course. The Durenian Beshin, Beshnikwell. 
It's filthy. See, this is what happened. This is this is why Phantom Menace sucked. It's because George <laughs> Lucas read some of these this shit, and it, and it ruined it. No, I I think why Phantom Menace sucked is because George Lucas went back to directing. I'm telling you, George Lucas was ashamed of jizz. The cover-up had already begun in mm. 1997 when Lucas replaced this song with the less jazzy Jedi Rocks, the less jizzy Jedi Rocks, in the special edition. Then in 2007, a collector's pack of the, of the modal nodes said they played jazz. And that's not true. They played jizz. Removing this and the Ewok celebration songs from that movie were, in my opinion, to be unforgivable. When you ask John Williams to write a late-era disco song and he delivers Lop to Neck, you goddamn celebrate it. Also, the dancer has a nipple slip during this song. If you watch closely. Um, if you watch all fun closely. Facts, <laughs> all fun facts about Return of the Jedi. Lucas really bit the shed on that one. The chinless dick. Yeah, well, um, let's see. Did I re- okay, so... Um, let's not get hung up on the jizz genre within Star Wars because, again, in our world, jizz is all music inspired by Star Wars. There's some terrible jizz out there and some really good jizz. I was really looking for a top ten in today's countdown that shows the length and girth, I'm sorry, the, the breadth and width of Star Wars fandom and inspiration. I'm hoping that the jizz I've chosen for this countdown is the latter and we will fill your ears with pleasure. And before we get started, I need to give a huge shout-out to the podcast Blast Points, hosted by Jason Gibner and Gabe Bott, who is a person, not a robot. They're both from my hometown of Muskegon, and their podcast focuses on a lot of the outrageous stuff in Star Wars that you never hear of, or you don't think about too much. They just did an episode on a character from The Phantom Menace named Rick Ole, who has like ten lines, and every one he states something super obvious. <laughs> is, he, is Rick Ole the, the character from Michigan, the Star Wars character uh, Yeah, he sounds Michigan? like a Garrison Keillor. Rick Ole, yeah. He's, he's not, but he's, he's the kind of the guy. UP. He's like piloting a ship, and he goes... There's Coruscant. The whole planet's a city. <laughs> like I mean, pretty much every planet in the it's Star like, Wars universe has only one ecosystem. I know, it's really weird. <laughs> and so, so basically, uh, he's an on-screen narrator. Yeah, yeah. And Gabe and, and uh, Jason rated all of his lines on, on, a, on a, some sort of like a Captain Obvious scale. Yeah. The podcast is brilliant. They also have, you know, they have several... Uh, Star Wars music podcast covering some of the lesser known jizz you'll hear on, to the, on today's countdown. So, and if you want to listen to one last Jedi recap podcast with like maximum laughs and zero hating and obsessions over the dumbest details, Blast Points is where you got to go. Okay, plug over. Ready to get in the countdown, boys? Boy, I can't wait. This is Casey on American Top 40 in Hollywood. Now on with the countdown. Michael McDonald. We listen to the radio together and fix each other's hair. I love these. All right, so uh, this is MC Chris with Fett's Vet. I had this album. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It always puzzled me why Boba Fett was such a popular character, because, like, all he does is nod, and then he follows a Millennium Falcon in a ship, and then in the next movie he dies like a bitch right away in the Sarlacc pit. (laughs) I believe he doesn't even go, ah! Does a Wilhelm scream or something, or that might Probably, be somebody else? Yeah, and then the Sarlacc pit burps. Yeah, <laughs> in the in the special edition. Um, his dad Django does some cool shit in Attack of the Clones, but that was his dad. Uh, but this song Fets Vet by MC Chris sums up the appeal for me nicely. I think I get it now. My backpack's got jets. I'm Boba the Fet. 
I bounty hunt for Jabba Hut to finance my vet. I get it now. Because that's pretty much the entire appeal. I thought maybe, um, like, Boba Fett would sneak into theaters and give fanboys blowjobs. That, they love him that much, I, and that's the only reason I could think of. Well, I, I, have, I have my own theory. Sorry. Well, I, I think he was so popular for two reasons. The original toy was supposed to have a little rocket that shot out of it, and then they recalled it before they released it. Well, they didn't release it. Um, and it became this whole thing, like all these rumors of a kid getting shot in the eye, and it was a dangerous toy. Also, he looked pretty fucking cool. He was a good-looking character. He was mysterious. Yeah. And he but captured Han Solo. Yeah, and there was also a, a, like some uh, fan... Not fan fiction. It was uh, uh, a novel that came out afterwards that assumed he got out of the Sarlacc pit, even uh, though, as I said, the pit burps. And I think that pit burping is the moment George Lucas lost his mind. <laughs> and then came the fucking Muppets. That's funny, right? Star, Star Wars is full of good-looking characters who barely do anything. Yeah. Uh, Darth Maul being first and foremost among yeah, them. Yeah, he was cool. He's yeah, like the he's he's kind of like the guy in Indiana Jones that does all the crazy stuff, and then Indiana Jones just shoots him. Yeah, that's Darth Maul in a nutshell. Uh, but I had my theory on why Boba Fett is so well liked. Is I think a big part of Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi was to visually introduce as many characters as possible so Kenner could make action figures out of them. This is absolutely true. Yes. And there's one scene in Empire with a bunch of bounty hunters. Bosk, IG-88, and Dengar. Yes, exactly. Uh, (laughs) Boba Fett is the only one in that scene who really even says or does anything. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe that's what makes him seem like a badass. Like, the (laughs) bar is so low that the, the, the one guy who actually does something... Well, Seems like the see. I think these, the big bad there. These bounty hunters were the badasses of the galaxy, and he was the best of the best. I mean, Dengar. Let's let's be obvious. He kind of looks like a mummy with the the face kind of pulled back a little bit. Uh, Bosk is just a lizard man. Nig88 is a super tall robot that you know a stiff breeze could knock him over. That guy's got a real yeah, bad kind of a beanpole. Nig88. Boba Fett was also introduced in, during the holiday special. That's right. I read that recently. So, uh, so I would imagine that's why he's so cool. Because <laughs> Starship yeah. was in, Jefferson Starship was in that. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's see. Do I? And they're cool. You have, you have a take on Boba Fett? Oh yeah. I mean, he's a clone of Jango Fett, who, whose DNA was the basis oh. of the Great Clone Army. But when the Django clones had their growth sped up, Boba Fett got to grow naturally. And there's a poignant moment in Attack of the Clones where Django dies and Boba holds up the helmet that will become his. It's a very epic shot, one of the most powerful shots in the prequels. And you watch it and you're like, holy shit, this guy is going to nod and chase Han Solo a little bit and then die like a bitch in the Sarlacc pit. If, I bet you if they, you read Wikipedia, somebody has written a story about how he gets out of that. Wikipedia is all based on stuff that's been written. And, stuff. Yeah. and I guarantee you, he got out by his indigestion armor. and his armor could not be digested yeah, and he climbed out. I guarantee you that's in there. He's still alive, J.D. I, I wouldn't doubt it. Um, what's his, Darth Dude, Maul was still alive and he came back in one of the cartoons. What? Darth Maul was cut in half. No, he was still alive. He's in... Um, Clones? Is he in a wheelchair? Return of the, the Clone Wars cartoon? Huh. He's also in... What the, what's the one now? Rebels? The Rebels cartoon? Um, so MC Chris, who wrote this song. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Christopher Ward. He's, oh, makes sense. Yeah. 
He's an art school graduate and a jokey rapper known for making silly raps with a lighter tone that you might find in, say, gangster rap or art school. He made comedy raps uh, for a lot of Adult Swim shows, C-Lab, Space Ghost, Aqua Teen. Uh, he was great in C-Lab. He was a character yeah. in C-Lab. Oh, yeah? He was great. Um, this music is known as nerdcore rap, but Christopher Ward, being an art school grad and all, he shuns that label, preferring to call his music MC Chris style music. I don't know. I think it sounds like super wink and smirky Eminem. Other examples of nerdcore include the hit musical Hamilton. Has anyone here seen that? Nope. Did we talk about this on the podcast? Yep. It kind of felt like when my seventh grade music teacher said, here's a way to get you into history, and then had a <laughs> shitty rap about in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Also, I had terrible seats in a fever. Now, we're up to the hit song created for one purpose, to help abolish hunger in the world. Rubber Biscuit. Number nine. <laughs> Uh, so oh, yeah. Hoth is an icy planet in Star Wars where the rebels had their hideout in the opening of The Empire Strikes Back. Again, only one ecosystem on this planet. <laughs> That's right. I think about that all the time. It bugs the shit out of me. Um, Agobah is entirely a swamp planet. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tatooine's a desert. Endor's a forest moon. Yep. Was, My God. Coruscant had the... Was That was where the... The Senate? Wait, no. Where, where was Prince? Where was uh, Princess Leia? Alderaan. Alderaan. Was it Alderaan? Where, where was Jar Jar? Naboo. Naboo. Okay. Naboo okay. had two ecosystems. Naboo had two ecosystems. Well, what, they had under one of them underwater. Underwater, mm-hmm. and then they have the the above ground. But I, like they showed that. Yeah. Is that considered two ecosystems? That's just like one's wet and one isn't. I think that counts. In Star Wars, yeah. I think that counts. In Star Wars, that's it's definitely. It's it's Star Wars and Super Mario Brothers. It counts. <laughs> Um, like so, horseshoes and hand grenades, sort yeah. of. Yeah. So, um, and, and they travel from one side of the planet to the next. To be fair, so what the other side of the planet is underwater. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so Hoth is an icy planet, and Hoth, the band, according to their bio, is a Seattle-based extreme metal band. Uh, that's all their bio says on their website, but their Facebook gives a few more details. Hoth is an extreme metal band that hails from the icy blackness of the void. Oh, sweet. We seek to envelop this world in unending permafrost by bringing forth musical compositions that are captivating, powerful, and haunting. And they what could have be- just stopped after permafrost and been awesome. What better way to cover the earth with permafrost than to come out of the gate with jizz? Hoth doesn't deal exclusively in jizz, but this song is about a wampa, the evil snow Chewbacca on Hoth that captures <laughs> Luke Skywalker. The implication was that it was planning to tear Luke asunder. Luke escaped, so he never did, but this song imagines what it would be like if that did happen. This song is called Torn Asunder by a Wampa. You ever wonder how uh, the Wampa froze, froze Luke's legs in the ice, leaving him upside down? Because you remember, he's hanging upside down. He has to use the force to get his lightsaber. But his feet are frozen. I can't figure out the physics of that unless the water was somehow contained within a magnetic field. Which is also the genius of my lightsaber theory. If you could contain a plasma in a magnetic field, I think you could conceivably build one. And I think it, the downside is it would probably melt your face off because the plasma in its you know, gaseous form would be so hot. Unlike this song, which is rather tepid. Um, another, another, That's kind of exciting. Another theory is that the Wampa just uh, uh, masturbated and his and his sperm went up and froze because it's so cold. Oh, but hot. he's in up to like his calves. Yeah, it's a Wampa. 
this song made me ask some questions because like there's so many there's so many metal bands that are inspired by Lord of the Rings that I'm really surprised that there aren't more like this that are inspired by other incredibly nerdy shit. Like I, I know Tolkien has this sort of faux pagan mystique that I guess makes it seem extra evil or taboo or whatever, and so does Lovecraft. But it's like in the end, it's all just fantasy supervillains when you get right down to it. Like, there's a successful death metal band called Nile that sings about nothing but Egyptian mythology. It's like, how is there not a successful death metal band called Voldemort? I looked this up. Apparently, there was one back around 2006 and 7, but they weren't successful. Uh, so, guys, that concept is ripe for the picking out there. If you want to name your death metal band Lord Voldemort or something. See, I, I think that even though Harry Potter... Well, even though Star Wars was made for kids and adults alike. Harry Potter was based on children's books. And I don't think teenagers want to listen to a death metal band that's named after children's books. No, just books. give it a couple more years. There's going to be yeah. plenty of Harry Potter Oh, yeah. They're, they're teenagers now. Yeah, no, they... Oh, we grew up with this. We love this. There's mm. all kinds of black and death metal bands that are named after, like, every fucking place in Mordor. It would be like us loving a band called Skeletor. Yeah. Yeah, a pretty good death metal. Yeah, also, this, or, just or, this or Gargamel. <laughs> yeah, that's a better. That's a better. <laughs> one. I think they're more of a black metal band. Or the blueberry the pie man. <laughs> <laughs> the purple pie man. Yeah, I'll say it. Ah, gotcha. What? Gotcha. What? You, you corrected, you corrected my. Uh, so you know what he's talking about. Oh. You love, you love strawberry, strawberry shortcake. Because what are you saying? I did. I had purple pie man. Yeah, he's the peculiar oh. purple pie man of Porcupine Peak, and then he does his little tap dance. Yeah. Wow. We all watched up. My, my old my old roommate Dan Laird's jizzing in his pants right now, hearing all this talk <laughs> about uh, strawberry shortcake. I, I will say that the that the gestation period for a Harry Potter metal band is longer than the than the than the. Um, than the George R. R. Martin uh, Song of Ice and Fire metal bands that will be coming out. Can't wait for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm done talking about this song. Oh, you, I also sure? <laughs> I have more. I also wondered if there was such a thing as a death metal band that sings entirely in Klingon and and I looked it up and there is and they're called Stovacore. They're from Portland. They've been around since 2001 and they've never signed to a label or released an official non-demo album. It's probably to keep their hardcore cred. Right, I mean, Klingons, Klingons are known we for their... We don't play weddings! That, that was actually going to be a, a genre I was looking at. We don't play weddings? No, that the uh, Star Trek bands were like a long, long time ago, and I looked up, I tried to find at least... I wanted to find at least five or six Klingon-speaking bands, and I think I only found three or uh. two or three. This was one of them. Well, even <laughs> so, send us your stuff, fellas. Yeah, no, seriously, send it to us. I'd love to do that. Um, so, even though Stovacore didn't release any albums, you can buy all of Hoth's music on their Bandcamp site. So, check it out. Support them. Oh, epilogue. There is a successful death metal band called Vader. They were pioneers on the Polish extreme metal scene. As far as I can tell, their subject matter and artwork have nothing to do with Star Wars at all. No, no the singer's father. name was Garth. This is Casey on American Top 40 in Hollywood. Like thousands of other girls, I've always dreamed of becoming an actress. Uh, Weird Al has quite the history in this room. Steve has had an autographed picture of him stolen along with a backpack. Mm -hmm. Dave likes to brag about all the times he met him. Such a great guy. Uh, Weird Al gave us some jizz with the Phantom Menace story recap. The saga begins 
which is very clever lyrics, but I'm not going to play that because it's, Ameri- it's an American Pie parody, and fuck that song. Yes, I, I went, agreed. I, I saw uh, Weird Al at the Orange County Fair. Yeah, so did I. That's that's my story. I think, yeah. I'm just jealous because I have no Weird Al stories. I just liked him a lot. Kind of shaped who I am. We're in Hollywood, man. We'll get you a Weird Al story. <laughs> oh, thanks. Huh. Great uh, guy. Great guy. Yeah, it really is. Nice, nice dude. Nice fella. But this, this is Weird Al's first dabble into the jizz genre. Uh, this is called Yoda, off of his Dare to Be Stupid album from 1985. Uh, it wasn't as timely as the saga begins, which capitalized on the release of the the new prequel tw- trilogy. While that was happening, but this song samples a much cooler song, Lola by the Kinks. When I hear the Kinks song, I always start singing along with the lyrics to this one because I know this one so much better because I probably listen to it a whole lot more. Yeah, this is, this is one of the many, many songs where I heard the Weird Al version before I ever heard the original. Um, and I don't know about the lyrics, but I can guarantee they're funny. And they talk about Star Wars scenes that include Yoda. Uh, there's a joke that says, With the long-term contract that I had to sign, I'll be making these movies till the end of time. And that's another Weird Al theme. Never-ending sequels. You see that a lot, uh, like in his Eye of the Tiger parody, which is about endless sequels. And also food. Yeah. So it's a Weird Al yeah, it was super song. Yeah, theme from Rocky Eight, and the Creed one was Rocky Seven. so we're almost there. No, you need to learn to read uh, Roman numerals. Oh, it was fuck. the theme to Rocky Thirteen, and, <laughs> and Creed is seven. Yeah. But it still got me thinking, like... That song was about Rocky running a deli. You know, it's the Rye or the Kaiser. Yeah. Rocky 6 and 7, he's running a restaurant. Wow. Yeah, so Weird Al got close. Yeah. yeah. You're right. I, I read that as V-I-I-I, not X-I-I-I. My mistake. Yeah, you had to look that up. Yeah. You don't know how to do Roman numerals. <laughs> no, I'm very good with Roman numerals. I just Yeah, clearly. Uh, I think I'm... You've proved it. I just bit the shed. I, I still think the only good thing in the prequels that I like that made me go, oh wow, it was worth waiting for this, uh, was the chance to finally see what Yoda looked like in a lightsaber duel. Like they never could have done that when Yoda was basically just a Muppet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember I saw episode two at the legendary Chinese theater in Hollywood, California, Ooh. and and right as the duel was about to start, some some guy in the audience was like, let him know, Yoda. <laughs> I like the prequels. My favorite thing about the prequels that really satisfied me was that I've always wanted to see really terrible wooden acting by children on the big screen. <laughs> usually a TV thing. I mean, it's usually hard to get wooden acting out of children, right? Well, no, it's... An, I mean, usually when they make it to the silver screen, they're really good. Mm-hmm. TV, like terrible. Kid from Jerry Maguire? Yeah. Oh, what an angel. What a, what a find. What a delight. It's I, like George Lucas went to the playground and went, that one looks good. <laughs> That's how I picture that's Darth Vader looked like that in my childhood dreams when he was a boy. He had a bull haircut. <laughs> uh, I looked went, like Moe. I went and saw Phantom Menace uh, the night it was released at a theater in Kalamazoo or Grand Rapids. And, like, I hadn't noticed people dressing up for movies before that. There were a bunch of people in Star Wars clothes. And these two uh, young kids with, like, full Star Wars outfits, like, had their seats saved and they had their lightsabers sitting in the seats in front of them to save their seats. And then two dudes came walking down the aisle, like, for those seats, and these kids are getting really, really nervous, and they're like, um, those seats are saved, guys. And one of them just picked up the lightsaber and threw it and said, fuck you, nerd. (laughs) (laughs) And sat down in the To watch the Phantom Menace. Joke's on him. (laughs) (laughs) Did that guy later walk out of the theater halfway through the movie? No, no, they, uh, they... 
the guy left and picked up his uh, lightsaber and came and sat down again. And like during various lightsaber fights, started banging him around. People were like, "Knock that shit off, goddammit. it!" <laughs> cool dude, all around. The Doobie Brothers, minute by minute. I hear the whole record from beginning to end in my head, completely naked. Number seven. I'm flying blind on this episode. Star, yeah, just Hunter. Huge, who, I just got a huge boner. He just yeah. had a jazzgasm. Yeah. Uh, Jefferson Starship. Okay, I don't know if I ramp this up or not. This is Jefferson Starship light this guy on fire. So the Star Wars Holiday Special was released with a silent thud, I think. I can't find any ratings anymore. More like but a it, wet plop. It was up against the love boat, so I'm sure audiences were busy watching that masterpiece instead. Um, it aired once, the Holiday Special did, and nothing, you know, ever re-ran back then, and few people had VCRs, so it became forgotten in time, until around the 90s when the videotape started showing up in Comic-Con booths and passed around by millions of cool insider <laughs> kids. I think I've got the DVD somewhere if you guys want to come over. See it on YouTube. Uh, that's for the audience, not Wait, wait, okay. what are you talking about? Hmm? Star Wars. I was listening to the song. I wasn't listening to you guys. What, yeah. what are you talking about? It's not, not important. Listen to this Wait, wait what were you talking about? I'll let you know when we start talking about the song. Mm. Wait, no, are talking we talking about, about the, the holiday special? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because I got a really good copy of that on, on DVD if you guys mm -hmm. need that. Yeah, I do too. That's what I was saying. Better than YouTube? I bet it's be I better have a better one. It was, a source it, was, it was combined from multiple sources and put into a full DVD. DVD with all the... Uh, anyways, it's really great. I brought it to Christmas two <laughs> he, years ago. He did a lot of research. I, I brought it to Christmas two years ago, and it was at this point during the song where the rest of uh, my wife's family said, all right, we're turning this off right now. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, it's a household of huge Star Wars fans. <laughs> yeah. They're all 500 pounds. Uh, the special, if you haven't seen it, it's very random. Uh, the, the framework is that Han, Solo, and Chewie are headed back to Kashyyyk. That's Chewie's home planet. Yeah, which was originally the theme of Return of the Jedi. Oh, interesting. And then they changed it to Ewoks. Thank God. Oh. Uh, actually, that would have been really cool. Yeah. Uh, but not as cute. Wouldn't have sold as many toys. Yeah. And Jim Henson wouldn't have had a part in it. Uh, so they're going still back... still Salacious Crumb. I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, they're going back to Kashyyyk for, for Life Day, this holiday Life Day, and Chewie has a son named Lumpy. Uh, and... <laughs> you have the grandfather's name? Yeah. And so that's a framework, and the rest is... Oh, is it the, the grandfather? No, no, no. Oh, I think it's the little kid. It is. Okay. He's Lumpy. Uh, and then the framework... That's a framework for a tone-deaf, lame variety show, which included performances by B. Arthur, Art Carney, Carrie Fisher... And this band, Jefferson Starship, there's a song against called Light the Sky on Fire. Uh, it was written, or at least trotted out, especially for the holiday special. This is actually the moment where George Lucas lost his mind. No, th what are you talking about? This is the moment where there's a sexy Native American playing the guitar solo. Do you remember shortly before this, uh, Chewie's uh, wife, I have her name in here somewhere, uh, was watching a cooking show <laughs> hosted by Harvey Corman. <laughs> did he have multiple arms? He did, he did. Yeah. And it was called Goodizia or something. They nailed it. They I, nailed I, it. I, I listened to this song on YouTube because I'd never heard it before. And half the comments on there say that this is the only good moment in the Star Wars holiday special. And and it just made me wonder like what these people's definition of the word good is. Have you ever seen the holiday special, Steve? I've seen bits and pieces. See, of he's it. bashing well, like yeah. he bashed wrestling without listening to any of the but songs. This a is a great. Of those were good. This no. is a great part. He's absolutely. Everybody's absolutely right because you watch that special and suddenly this comes on and you're like, whoa, whoa competence. 
Oh, something like normal. It's not normal at all. I don't know. I, I still I st- I listen to this like independently of that, and I still think it makes the Planet Earth Rock and Roll Orchestra project seem like a perfectly realized classic of our times. This song's growing on me. This song is awesome, but when you watch it in the special, it's really weird. <laughs> like it's really it's kind of psychedelic, and it makes you. I I don't know how they got it on TV. It's really yeah. strange. Well, and there's a lot of. There's a there's a guy who kind of looks like a sexy Native American, and when he plays that guitar solo, he's humping the guitar. It's really strange yeah, to watch. Yeah, he's, he's going all Bobby Kimball yeah, on that Bobby guitar. Bobby Kimball's cult. Yeah. <laughs> the cult is called Let's Get On Camera Fucking Instruments. And these yeah. guys are kind of pink. It's really weird. Yeah, well, it's because it's in that hollow. Uh, it's in the hologram. Yeah, kind of. Um, let's see. What else is this? You want to explain how the, uh, the, the scene in the show... Oh, well, first I want to say, I like this, this This is a great quote. So, sometimes listener and fellow pop culture terminology coiner Nathan Rabin said he would have a hard time believing this special wasn't written by a sentient bag of cocaine. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And this song is very much, the visuals of this is very much there. It's just like purple stuff, man. It's going to be great. Just it's put it up there. coming at you. Uh, so in the context of the special, an Imperial pilot is watching this video on a holodeck in Art Carney's bar or cafe or whatever. So Jefferson's starship is in the Star Wars world, and the question is, would this stand up next to Max Rebo as high-quality jizz, or would they have another name for rock and roll, like, say, Ejaculate? All right, first oh, of there all. Oh, I looked this up on the Wikipedia. Uh, apparently, jizz was later supplanted by... Uh, uh, a more compact rhythmic form of music known as leap jump. Oh, so this must be leap jump. This is leap jump. Mm. Is Jedi? One of Jedi rocks is leap jump. George Lucas was like, "We got to update this jizz. I, I need to put a leap, leap jump." So jizz is getting old. Um, got to push your chin in to do a good George Lucas. Another thing about blast one. points is Jason Gibner does a hilarious George Lucas that I keep wanting to do. It's like, oh hey, how's it going? But I don't want to rip him off too much. Oh hey, it's me, George. I'm wearing a little a little plaid shirt. Don't want a gumball. Anyway, <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta hear it. <laughs> it sounds great. Your impression of it's like probably the best impression I've ever heard you do. Uh, let's see. Okay, that's all I have on this. It's good. This is a great moment in television history. It, it is because uh, the uh, the Imperial troopers come in looking for Chewie. Yep, and. Uh, Chewie Art Carney distracts him. Isn't at the house yet, but Art Carney and Malia. Malia, is that her name? Mm-hmm. Yep. As uh, Chewbacca's wife. I think uh, Itchy is the grandfather. Itchy is the grandfather. Mm-hmm. Itchy? And they're Itchy. like, hey, watch this. Instead of searching the uh, the, the house, oh. they just pull out this little like uh, video hollow thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the, just the guy sits there, and Art he, Carney does a bit. And he he's like, stares at would it. you hurry up? And then he watches it, and it's mm-hmm. just... You're just watching this guard watch Jefferson Starship yeah. on a hologram. So when you see the little purple or little pink Jefferson Starship, it keeps turning back to the the camera goes back to the guard who's just watching it. Yeah, and, and <laughs> stone faced just it's, watching. Yeah. It's it. not any guard. It's one of those guards with those great big mushroom yes. black. Yeah. Yeah. The Lord. Uh, occasionally, you see his, Lord his, his black gloved <laughs> yeah. hand just tapping slowly on the the front of the. The hologram. Yeah, and this is a really long song too. Mm-hmm. It's like Let six it all minutes. Ride. It's a five-minute song. 
Which yeah. is a, a pretty long song when you're when, when it's a piece in a TV show for kids. Yeah. And and there's a good minute and a half guitar solo in it. I mean, kids love the Jefferson Starship. Yeah. It's great. It's great. Now, listen to this. It's by Toto. Listen to just a part of it. Meet you all the way. Just had a go. Rosanna, yeah. Number six. All right. Uh, number six. I I had to look this one up on the YouTube, too. And, uh, and I'm listening to this crap, and I'm like, is this... Because I, I, I can't put this... To, I'm not into video games. I was trying to put this together. Is this a song from a video game about dancing but with Star Wars characters? Is that what this is? Um, well, Steve, this is in fact a song from the dancing level of a video game about Star Wars. Oh, God. Um, you see, you have to... It's a Kinect game. This is, this is I'm Han Solo from Kinect uh, Star Wars. Is that what the, is that what the game's called? Star Wars Connect game. Yeah. yeah. You were called. you were close. Yeah. This is a PlayStation Connect. Glad you like saved it. that, JD. Uh, so you have to you have to move your body to play it. And uh, in Xbox Connect, you know, you can see uh, you can see you and all you have to do is move and Han Solo moves to this funky fresh beat. And I'm telling you people, you listen to this song, you won't be able to get it out of your head. Every song in this list has been an earworm for me, except maybe that Hoth song. That's my favorite of them all. I love it. Oh, maybe not Weird uh, Weird Al, I'll put yeah. it into that. God, Jeff, Jefferson Starship had a great guitar solo in it. <laughs> yeah. The visual helps that one, though. And if you watch the visual of this, it's, it's a goddamn embarrassment. It, oh, God, it's terrible. It's like Han Solo's dancing around like Adam Savini from those Step Up movies. But it's it's somebody with in front of the Kinect controlling him. No, who's I, Adam Savini? He's the star of those uh, Step Up movies. Remember who Dave is married to? Oh, now he was in. A, is, it, is it Adam Savini? No, yes. it was, I, I ran into. It's a long story. Okay, married. I, I ran into him today. His sister. Um, JD, this song is an embarrassment. This is worse than those CDs that Midwest Republicans buy for their kids with a chorus of kids singing popular tunes from three years prior. Harrison Ford must be rolling in his grave. <laughs> he crashes plane into his grave. R.I.P. Are you, called, are you talking about Kids Bop? Yeah. Those are See, great. No, Hunter. <laughs> when I listen to this song, it makes me regret that I didn't make my Chicago Cubs episode a full-fledged 10-song main episode instead of just a mini-sode that... Very few people listen to Steve. You can do whatever you like. You yeah, can, do it you, again. You yeah, made you, yourself very clear. Yeah, no, there's there's not enough don't, songs. To you don't do that you don't again. take him. No, just do the same ones. No one listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you do it as a main episode, people will listen. Um, <laughs> so this is actually an unfunny parody of a Jason Derulo song called "Riding Solo." Oh, is, is that why I hate this song? Is great. Listen to this. I'm Han yeah, Solo. It's, it's, it's terrible. Solo. Um, this is basically a song sung I by how Han. how much I hate Star Wars. 
This is sung by Han Solo. It's about his lifestyle and some random memories he had. And they try to stay as close to the original lyrics as they can. Like loving, oh, great. Loving Cloud 9 becomes Loving Cloud City. <laughs> uh, no one to answer to becomes Jabba to answer. No Jabba to answer to. <laughs> and I'm Very so, clever. I'm Very sorry, clever. I'm sorry, but I gotta move on becomes I'm so happy that the carbonite is gone. I'm not sorry, and we should move on. Thank God. Listen, I think these are great songs for the most part. Jizz. Can't go wrong with that. Don't show me that. Put that away from the microphone. All right. How do you pick a soundtrack song for a show that's celebrating a movie with the second most celebrated score of all time? Easy. You go for the number one score of all time. That's right. Harold Faltermeyer's untouchable epic, Tango and Cash. What an audible ride. The soundtrack hits you hard right in the face with the first track, Bus Chase slash Cocaine, <laughs> which is funny because it's not a bus, it's a semi-truck. You all remember the scene. Tango, a Beverly Hills cop with some I'm a smart guy glasses on, is chasing a semi-truck hauling gasoline through the desert just out of his jurisdiction. When he finally stops the truck by just parking in the middle of the street, the bad guys slam on their brakes so hard they fly right out of the windows. The local cop on the scene yells at Tango and his co-workers, says that Tango thinks he's Rambo. Tango says that Rambo's a pussy and shoots the gas truck only to have cocaine pour out. All perfectly punctuated by Faltermeyer's superbly skilled score. Which one so was we're doing Tango? Was he Stallone? Stallone. Okay. Uh, and it goes on from bad guy's plot to dog explodes <laughs> and finally to love theme. The soundtrack is a complex one and steeped in contrast. <laughs> I, I regret now that you didn't play Dog Explodes. It's not as good. This one really oh, tells a story. Okay. You know, Hunter, I wouldn't really call this a score. This is more like an instrumental hit that never found its audience. No, it's, no. It, this is way too close to uh, Beverly Hills. Hey, hey hang on. To... Hang on. But let me tell you a Listen, little bit Tango about Tango and the... Cash has a good song at the end of it where they high-five each other, and I thought that's what was coming. That's love song. <laughs> uh, but let me tell you a little bit more about The Fault. Tango and Cash wasn't his only soundtrack. He started as one of Giorgio Moroder's fellas, and after working with him on Midnight Express and American Gigolo, Faltermeyer struck out on his own and had a few lesser-known soundtracks before this one. Fletch, Beverly Hills Cop, and The Running Man all featured his work, and even though he wrote the main theme for Top Gun, fame and notoriety eluded him. It wasn't until 1987 that he was given the opportunity of a lifetime. He was approached to score a buddy cop movie starring Stallone and Russell, who played two cops that weren't, and then were, buddies. That's right. <laughs> it was Tango and Cash that put him on the soundtrack map. After this project allowed him to touch the face of God, the offers came pouring in and led him to the opportunity of scoring 1992's Cuffs, starring Christian Slater. And then, of course, in 2010, he was contracted by the king of action flicks, Kevin Smith, who wanted nothing but the fault line on his buddy cop spoof, Cop Out. Never a misstep. In conclusion... Harold Faltermeyer is a complex composer <laughs> filled with contrast. His remarkable, unique compositions will always be in our heads and in our hearts for years to come. Amen. B plus. 
Oh, sorry, Hunter. Sorry. It's okay. Who's getting calls? Because it, it's showing it's me. up. me. I thought best best of what I got was what you're going to play. That plays at the end. Do it. I'm Casey Kasem. Shaka Khan. She's very special because she's my biological mother. That crazy story is coming up. Number five. <laughs> Bad English did that song. All right. This one's a banger. You can stop showing me that. Uh, this is from... What are you showing everybody, Dave? It's Adam Savini from oh, okay, uh, whatever. Step Up. Uh, and right. Step Up 2. And Step Up 3. All right. This one... This is a sweet you, song. You would have thought they would have stepped up by then. Stepped up. I know. There was a lot of steps. <laughs> All right. Tenacious D. This is from their latest album, Rise of the Phoenix. Uh, this song is an environmentalist song warning about the damage we're doing to the earth and that the only solution is to hire a nerd to build a Death Star so that you and your friends can take it up into space and have a bunch of sex on it. It's classic Tenacious D. Uh, and they spell the name of the song Death Star, D-E-T-H-S-T-A-R-R, maybe to avoid lawsuits, maybe to make it seem less lame, but come on. There's nothing lame about this song. Yeah, this fucker cooks. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sweet. It's about when to this kick thing kicks in, in right here. Yeah. God, these guys are good. Um, and hey, look up this album. I look up this album and my discogs are purple. Mm. And I'm not just talking. I'm talking about my own personal discogs. Uh, see, I have a writing credit on Rise of the Phoenix. Oh, I, I did not know that. Yeah. I was doing a lot of award show rewriting for Jack Black at the time. So he and Kyle invited me to their studio to help brainstorm some lyrics and sketches. One thing I learned is that I suck at writing lyrics with Tenacious D. They didn't use a single one. Mm -hmm. uh, but they had a skit about a guitar teacher molesting Kyle. And I said, what if the guitar player was Spanish? Oh, that's boom. A good night. I get a third writing credit on a real album that went Canadian Platinum in America, and I get a check for $13 every three months. Yeah. That means each of them get $26 every three months. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sweet deal. I know. I, these people who write songs have to be so rich. Yeah. $13 for delivery? Yeah, that's, that's, that's how much I. That's my allotment for lunch every day. $13 the company will cover. So I mean that's that's some some coin. Thirteen dollars aside, the highlight of the Tenacious D Riznar sessions was getting to hear Jack and Kyle give me a private concert of all these songs. I laughed at a lot of them, but this one was a standout. I love Death Star so much. Everybody, if you haven't heard it, you got to give it a listen. It'll make you laugh and smile. I got a question. Yeah. Did they name them the Riznar sessions, or did you? Oh, it sure was me. Yeah. Okay. Sure was me. Are you sure this album title is not pronounced Riz of the Phoenix? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Pretty, they, oh, there is a, a phallus. There is a big cock and balls on the cover. That has your hands all over it. Yep. Literally. I know mine does. <laughs> there was another time during the making of this album when Kyle called me back to come into their recording, and uh, Jack was clearly annoyed that he had done that. <laughs> he just wanted to get <laughs> stuff done. He didn't want anybody else around. They're awkward, awkward chemistry between those two, but boy, are they ever in love. I guess that was just my excuse to say that I know Tenacious D. Yeah. Your buddies? It was a I'll, Dave story. I'll allow yeah. <laughs> My buddies Jack and Kyle. That felt good, Dave. I yeah, see what right? you do it all the time. Right. I'm holding back the, the times that I've met him. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. 
control this is yeah. Difference between you and me, uh, Jack remembers you. There you go. Casey, here's a question I haven't heard you answer before. What would you do? Well, yes. If I had my way, I'd keep all my music in my room and not let any of it out. Number four. So, uh, Mecco. We all oh, know. Oh, yes. We all know Mecco from his Disco Star Wars theme that was a top 10 hit in the summer of 77 when Disco and Star Wars were both the hottest things in America. And Berkowitz was murdering women. <laughs> And because Mecco lured them to the discos, yeah, a team effort. Um, Mecco had has continued to do Star Wars uh, dance jizz ever since. And here's a great example. According to Mecco, this is a true story from the Phantom Menace premiere. Uh, Mecco noticed a limo pull out, and it was suddenly surrounded by fans. And who walks out but Jar Jar Binks himself? Everyone wanted an autograph. They surrounded him, but he kept saying, "I'm not Jar Jar. I'm his cousin." Hence, this masterwork, okay. Cousin Jar Jar. See, I was gonna take. Stop saying Jar Jar Binks. Start calling him with the respect he's due. It's Senator Binks. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And I was going to be angry that they were calling him Cousin Jar Jar. Mm-hmm. But if it's his cousin, they don't have to call him Senator well, Binks. Right. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is clearly supposed to be Jar Jar Binks, but he's so resistant to the background singers imploring him to dance, he never cops up to being Jar Jar Binks. Never. He really sticks to his Gungans. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! In your face, people who think puns aren't funny. Um... But there's not even a twist in this song where he admits he's Jar Jar. The only twist, and it's subtle, is that the human background dance singers beg Jar Jar Binks to, to take him home. They want to have sex with the uh, Jar Jar Binks. Um, this is wild jizz. He just keeps insisting that he's Jar Jar's cousin through the whole thing. Good song. Terrible. <laughs> I can't stop. I can't get it out of my head, though. You, you know why you can't get it out of your head is that it's just the Isley Brothers. It's your thing. It's just a straight-up rip-off of uh, the Isley Brothers. It's your thing. Oh. Well, so I don't I don't understand how Weird Al can only be number eight when this is number four. Okay, this is ripped off from the Isley Brothers. It's your thing. Weird Al's number eight because I'm kind of bored of that song. But I can't get this one out of my head. And this is about Senator Binks. Yeah. Yeah. I also feel the higher I rank things... Uh, the quicker they'll be erased from my mind. It's like a genie rule or something. So that would explain so you why keep you keep putting Mariah Carey so Mariah high. Carey. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, not working yet, though. I like that they brought uh, in the weird pseudo-Jamaican... They, they bought into the weird pseudo-Jamaican accent that Jar Jar has, and they put some steel drums in there. Mm-hmm. really shows you the entire purpose of this is to squeeze a few more dollars out of parents. <laughs> Don't kiss say they, it's a mecco. Um, and for, and so I don't believe he was invited to the premiere of Phantom Menace. <laughs> I think he was at a mall opening. <laughs> and maybe the movie was playing. And it probably was Jar Jar Binks' cousin. It's a me, a Mecco. Yeah. Uh, so unlike Mecco's Disco Star Wars theme, Cousin Jar Jar failed to chart the summer Weird. when neither Phantom Menace nor Isley Brothers' ripoffs were very hot. But it nor was Jar Jar. It did inspire your Halloween costume for years to come. Yes, I was Jar Jar Binks for many, many years. Yeah, well, different Jar Jar Binks, like mm-hmm. Karate Jar Jar and Workout Jar Jar. Yeah, Physical Fitness Jar Jar. Jogging Jar Jar. <laughs> I think you kept recycling the same tracksuit. Now on with the countdown. 
I have a personal note here from me and the AT40 staff. All of my life, for as long as I can remember, there's been someone very special to me that I've wanted to meet. The Italian Stallion, Rocky Balboa. Number three. All right. Um, this is the Rebel Force Band. And the Rebel Force Band, uh, a.k.a. Dan Whitley's Rebel Force Band, came to be... Oh! Yeah. They're you different. Know, <laughs> they came to be when a dentist pitched a Star Wars song to Dan Whitley in 1977. Uh, Dan went to a two-bit record label, and they put together the band that would record the album Living in These Star Wars. <laughs> But the idea actually wasn't to make a big hit. No shit. Yeah. Good story here. Wow. In 1976, some record companies discovered a tax loophole where they could create a super shitty label as a subsidiary to a real label and then make an ass ton of shitty records, press a few hundred copies of each, report they sold zero copies, and lie that they had pressed tens of thousands of copies, and then the loss would be a huge write-off for the actual label. Cha-ching! These were known as tax scam labels, and since the loophole was closed in 78, all music by tax scam labels were produced in that two-year span. Now I want to learn more. This so this is like Mel Brooks is the producers. Yeah, for yeah, but this this music. kind of thing actually goes on. It's kind of a basic business principle. If you have a company, you want it to look like it's operating at a loss. My my corporation operates at a loss every year because they pay their employee mm-hmm. way too much, mm-hmm. and it's great because I can write off almost all my expenses. Hear that, Donald Trump's IRS? You got a liberal here, <laughs> but making a fool. Work. Mine's mine's legal. Um, and I'll show my uh, I'll show my tax uh, returns. When you do them, should we? I, I did them. I did them. Hey, should we yachtski this? <laughs> <laughs> Zero. <laughs> um. So my theory, I hear a little crossfire. No. Um, you don't know what you hear. A little fault line. No. Now this is this is this this is like late seventies glitter rock. This is like. Like if you didn't know about the marketing tie-in and you just heard this as a succession of words, Dewey bounce. This would ki- this no. This sounds like the kind of fun nonsense words you'd hear in like a Chin and Chapman song, like early in yeah. Sweet's career. Now this sounds like uh, somewhere between a toy commercial and a sitcom theme. Yeah, it's like bubblegum glam sort mm-hmm. of. Oh, yeah, my- you can clap. My theory in the tax scam labels world is that the Rebel Force Band's living in the Star Wars album was supposed to be a flop to make some record label money in tax scheme, and I'm sure it worked. The album is overall terrible. Uh, the lyrics of the title track are living in these Star Wars, dying in these Star Wars. But this song, Chewy the Rookie Wookie, is kind of catchy. Actually, it's really catchy. It's stupid. It's simple, and it has no idea who Chewbacca actually is or what a rookie is, <laughs> but is one heck of an earworm. Am I the only one who thinks that living in these Star Wars is a musical starring Troy McClure? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would not doubt that, that this album made the rounds in the Simpsons writers room around that time. <laughs> was, it, uh, was it the state that had that sketch where everybody would look into the camera and say the name of the, the movie? The titular line? Yeah, it was like... I'm so tired of all these Star Wars. <laughs> uh, I believe that was Upright Citizens Brigade. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, while I was listening to this on YouTube today, uh, the next video popped up, and it was a video made by the Fort Worth Police Department starring Chewbacca as a new recruit on the police force. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and it was called uh, the Wookie Rookie. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and it was like that total tone deaf. Like when people that try to do that kind of comedy just get it, just miss the fucking well, mark. I don't. Um, well, you described they nailed it. Their jokes weren't good enough to even reference force. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> you should you should all check it out. <laughs> Van Halen's David Lee Roth. He worked in the basement of his apartment house, creating highly developed rock music. He'd always be sitting there, smiling warmly at me, and making my day brighter. I'd usually fall asleep with him in my arms. Number two. So for all the various ways to turn Star Wars inspiration into music, the weirdest, yet resulting in arguably the best song on the countdown, is to watch Star Wars on mute, read the character's lips poorly, and put it to music. This is bad lip reading with bushes of love. The, the YouTube site? Yep. Yep. Cool. Uh, they're in a bad lip reading. They're an anonymous YouTube channel. Uh, almost everyone has seen at least one of their political videos where they make politicians say funny things during debates and stuff. Uh, but they also do pop culture, movies, and TV. And of course, Star Wars is huge. Uh, this song was created by reading the lips of the Obi-Wan and Luke scene as Obi-Wan first uh, shovels his Anakin Skywalker bullshit lies at Luke. Uh, I know what you're thinking, JD. This is a visual joke. But listen to this. You don't have to see it to enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was not aware of this at all before today. Wow. Yeah. It's I amazing. Mean, this one. I mean, I know bad lip reading. But I mean, I can't believe you never heard of this song. Yeah, I know. It's weird, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a number two. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. I love this song. Um, bad lip, bad lip reading are incredible songwriters. Go through with some of the other songs they've done. Mm. Uh, this song, they have a kind of a rap in it. Yeah, that's right up your alley. Yeah, I do like the rap. I like the hippity hop. <laughs> um, I think it holds up on its own as a little indie, weird little indie rock song. It's got like obtuse lyrics that are they're not too far off from like REM or Boney Vare. No. Uh, they make about as much sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah I hear a little Death Cab for Cutie. Yeah. <laughs> Deeply personal brands of poetry yeah. is what we're hearing. Um, you know, they don't mean anything, but they sound great to music and somehow evoke a real human emotion. Um, they do a great job filling in the song with some non-lip-sync lyrics, like the little rap, you know? They're all about the new hope. It's nice. I, I think it sounds a lot like Gautier. Yeah. It sounds like somebody I used to, that I used to know that a little bit. That a jam. Yeah. Um, I can't get this song out of my head either. And I think this is my, it might be one of my favorite songs of all time. <laughs> you uh, definitely have a type. Yeah. I don't know if any of you podcast listeners have noticed, but I have the worst taste in music in the whole podcast. <laughs> but it's also the most joyous. Uh, you also have the most innocent taste. Mm -hmm. Like you're not letting uh, things like thought or opinion cloud your judgment. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, childlike wonder, yeah. like, like how Brett Favre plays football with a childlike sense of wonderment. <laughs> yeah, kind of like kinda, uh, I'm gonna send my dick pic to this girl because I'm a boy. Like on the uh, Christmas episode, you had uh, ten different kind of jingle bells, and each one of them excited you. Mm -hmm. It was like uh, watching a, I don't know, watching a kitten play with a string. <laughs> Welcome to my mind. Uh, so I also recommend you gotta if you're looking at these folks and you want to hear one other Star Wars bad lip reading jam. Uh, there's a Yoda, Do I? There's a Yoda song called Seagulls. 
Stop it now. It's very funny. Made me laugh a lot. Yeah, it sounds hilarious. Seagulls? Can you imagine? They make Yoda say seagulls a lot. It's great. And the song's really good. This is going to be a great Spotify list for our listeners. <laughs> it will be. They won't be able to get any of the songs out of their heads. JD's got a lot of big fans that will really, really uh, fluff this one up. Yeah. They're oh, 500 what a pounds. Great, what a great, great list. Now on with the countdown. I'm Casey Kasem. For two years, I had been dating someone very special, Sylvester Stallone. He's helped me through many problems. Whatever happened to him? Number one. All right. I don't have a lot to say about this song. It's called Shredisode 4, and it might be by a band called Anchorhead, and there's a lot of shred versions of the Star Wars theme, but only one with the balls to call itself Shredisode 4. If you're going to be inspired by Star Wars, and that inspiration comes in the form of shredding, you're always number one in my book. This this whole thing is like a 12-minute retelling of the first movie. It's that it's not just the theme. It's like it's like it's almost like a a, a death metal rock opera about Star Wars. And I have to say, I was really impressed by the amount of death metal in this show, and I think that you should have called this genre Darth Metal, like these guys did. Yeah, two, two songs. I, that, the fact that there were Listen, two one death metal songs. Mm-hmm. The fact that there were two death metal songs in an episode not put together by me really impressed me. I have a confession to make. <laughs> you impressed Steve because you did something that he does. I've never listened to this song the I whole way through. I think anybody else was into death metal. Steve, you, I never listened to this song the whole way through. You've really enlightened me by telling me it tells the whole story. I thought it was just the theme. No, they uh, they actually <laughs> oh, yeah. do some of the lyrics and put them up on the screen. Number the one! And they, and, and, they, and they put... I heard some shredding of the theme. I heard, it was called Shredisode 4. You heard the other songs <laughs> in the countdown. <laughs> Number one! Had I, I, had I gotten said... into this earlier, I would have uh, called up Tony Zarrett and asked him to do some shredding bumpers for us. Because he does this in his comedy show. You, He'll like shred to Star Wars or you, Indiana Jones. You, when you told me that the shred Star Wars song was going to be on there, I thought it was the YouTube video shreds where it just has the guys <laughs> and it goes, wink, 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 like messing up. Yeah, like, and then you hear like somebody go, shreds or Van Halen shreds. I don't want to go to school. I thought that's what number one was going to be. Bruce likes a trophy. Those are the best. Yeah, they're great. Best thing on the internet. Yep. Um... Good show. What didn't make the list? <laughs> I love. I hope everybody loved the Last Jedi. I know. I, got, I bought a ticket. I bought a ticket for myself for Thursday night at ten fifteen show at the ArcLight Pasadena. Uh, there were two single seats left, and I got one of them. Oh. What are they singing about here? They're retelling the uh, the. Star- I think. I think. Well, it, where are we? They're on the Star Destroyer. Gotcha. Later, they go down to Tatooine. I'm very excited. I hope I'm happy when this episode comes out and it was a good movie. You liked the last one, you'll be happy with it. I liked it, it. yeah, I did. This one will be better. Um, I got it. Nobody else wrote anything for this, so. I was, uh. I have something to prepare. Okay. Well, I was in a band in high school called Bakwa, which came from my dad not being able to pronounce Chewbacca. He called him Chewbacqua. We thought we'd name a band after it, and I think we wrote a song about Star Wars. Uh, but I'm going to go with Blink-182, Princess Leia. It was on the Dude Ranch album, uh, some of their earlier stuff. Not a great song, but for Blink-182, it's pretty good. My neighbor 
Patrick Gleason. He's an electronic music artist. Uh, he did an album, and I remembered this, and I want to make sure I got it right. It's just called Patrick Gleason's Star Wars. That's my neighbor, and he made songs about Star, more, Star Wars. It's more, uh, it's not so much uh, Mecco, Miko. It's more uh, uh, sort of classical electronic, but it's great. Wait, like it sounds like uh, Beethoven, but with uh, like electronic violas? It, it, no, it's just not a lot of, it's not a lot of like drum machines like oh, okay. and disco beats okay it's, it's more, more like, of like electronic classical if, if craft work did a star wars album. a little bit closer okay. jd that Not reminds really. me i didn't mention it in my uh, my soundtrack song harold foltermeyer lives in vienna now uh where all those great uh, composers like beethoven and mozart were from so who's driven to it wrap your head around yeah. that also, there's the Bill Murray version of the uh, Star, Star Wars theme. Yeah. He does this lounge singer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a good one. That could have made the list. That one's always in my head, too, every time I hear this. Yeah, Star, Star Wars, Wars nothing but Star Wars. Please Does. take these Star Wars away. If you were to bar Wars, don't take Star Wars away. I'm getting out of that death metal. Sorry, Steve. That um, good. Uh, a little biz, little business. I want to talk about a little hero. Named Eric Martin. Oh, yeah. Eric owned YachtRock.Tumblr.com. And when we asked if we could have it, as he was inactive on it for a few years, he said yes. So I told this beautiful man he could plug whatever he wanted on our podcast. Boys, Eric Martin's cashing in his chips today. Uh, He and his pals adapted a terrible 70s CB trucker film novelization into an audio movie for Audible. It's called Stinker Let's Loose! And it's Smokey and the Bandit meets every which way but loose. But here's the twist. Stinker Let's Loose is a fake movie. They made it up. Fake news. Son of a bitch. John Hamm plays the leading man Stinker. Better Call Saul's Rhea Seahorn and Philip Baker Hall are the, uh, the tip of the iceberg of an absolutely insane cast. Eric directed and narrated it in the style of Waylon Jennings and Sam Elliott. Mm. Oh, deep. <laughs> oh, deep. Stuff happening on there. You can hear the trailer and pre-order the whole thing at www.audible.com backslash stinker. Or see it perform live at San Francisco Sketchfest in January. Sounds great. That was a great plug. You hear that, realtors who took our uh, trademark for t-shirts? Real, for realtor. There's no A. It's realtor. Realtors? You hear realtor. that, realtors? Imagine the houses you will sell. Yeah, imagine the advertisement. In your Tony you can... Orange County neighborhood. Exactly. If you gave us back the trademark to Yacht Rock t-shirts. What a bunch of assholes. They won't have it for long. Because let me tell you something. Selling they Yacht Rock sell. t-shirts, not a big business. <laughs> no. Purses, no. Mm-hmm. Stick with selling houses. All right, I got a plug. I promised uh, co-network uh, pal Matt Bronger that I'd plug his uh, podcast. It's Ding Donger with Matt Bronger right here on feralaudio.com. You call in, you get life advice from Matt. He's had a lot of therapy, so I'm guessing he knows what he's talking about. It's an excellent show. Check it out right here on Feral Audio. Dat cam. Did you remind Bronger that he could just plug it on Twitter and it would reach way more people? <laughs> this is the tit for tat. He's going to plug our show on Twitter. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. What a fine fellow. Yeah. What a Much great guy. Much larger audience. Yeah. 
Um, bumpers today, of course. Casey Kasem bumpers, so they must be by Jeff Selby. Jeff Selby. Thank you, Jeff Selby. Uh, last, Selby. Last round of Casey bumpers, so... Uh, really? R.I.P. Right, right to that idea. Are these past the Selby date? <laughs> there it is. There it is. Uh, boom. I knew we'd use it. Um, let's see. So here's what he wants to plug. Jeff Selby is the owner of AIWCreative.com. He's a renaissance man without the puffy shirts and silky trousers. Ah. You should get those, though, Jeff. You don't have to be a renaissance man to wear them. Jeff offers everything you need to market your business. Voice talent, audio production, graphic design, copywriting, and racial equity. And inclusion training. Did you say racial equity? Yeah. For you and your staff, I'm reading this cold. So you don't alienate or piss off potential or current customers of color. Oh, I get it now. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. Just like Yacht Rock. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wasn't talking to you, Hunter. AIWcreative.com. He'll also put together Casey Kasem words for you. Maybe he can... Listen, I'm going to make a new business opportunity for you, Jeff. Get in touch with Jeff Selby. Don't, I forgot his Twitter. Doesn't matter. Get in touch with him through us. We'll get in touch with. We'll get him in touch. If you have a special friend who needs a uh, a voicemail on their phone done in the style of Casey Kasem, yeah, I'm sure you can put some together that says like, Hunter can't come to the phone. He's busy cuddling with David Lee Roth. JD, that was remarkably good. Yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah, I even did different tones because no, it was like, cut like yeah, Frankenbite. You did a Frankenbite of Casey yeah. Kasem on listen, the fly. I'm a lot more talented than a lot of people. Think and, li- right and listen, we'll including your closest friends, <laughs> <laughs> my only friends. There's a there's this is our last. We're just about wrapping up Patreon. Oh right? yeah, correct. Yeah. So um, at the first of the year, I'm sh- you guys will hear the last um, nicknames. Don't worry, I didn't forget you. You'll hear it on the next episode. Um, we had to plug Matt Bronger's podcast on this episode, so it got bumped. And to <laughs> see now, that's not true. And to celebrate, we all- didn't have to have to. It got know. bumped. Yeah. To celebrate, Blame all- Matt Bronger. <laughs> to celebrate all you patrons and thank you all. We've we've opened up Yacht and Yacht Priority for this month to absolutely all the patrons, even you cheapskates who've only been giving a dollar. Oh shit. Um, so you got a couple more days. A couple more days. Go on Patreon and look for the post and then leave your Yacht and Yacht request in the comment of that post. You only get one. Um, but so we'll make get it to count. It. It'll come before Twitter and everything. We'll get to it. Make it count. Thank you so much for being our patrons. Thank oh, you. Maybe we'll come up with another way for you to give us money. Maybe we'll just <laughs> give up on obligations to you altogether and just make the podcast. Um, all right. Uh, credits? Well, no, give him a whack. Yeah, no, Dave's go gonna, for oh, it. Dave always oh, fucks it up. Yeah, right, here he goes. He's oh, whacking so. it again. Unique New York. Find this week's Yacht Rock playlist following J.D. Riznar on Spotify. Go to YachtRock.com for a very useful experience. Send questions via Twitter at Yacht Rock. Like Yacht Rock on Facebook. Follow Beyond Yacht Rock on Instagram. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Themes by Rob Crow and Mark Rivers. Thanks to pro- no, thanks to producer Hunter Stare and engineers oh. Hunter Stare and David Lyons. Hey, Matt Brousseau's going to do something, though. Yeah, he'll probably sweeten this up. We, we, we like <laughs> He'll Matt. fuck it up somehow. 